With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I, I can see why you guys get a lot of plays lately because you have engagement. Like, right. Yeah. It's... Whoever whoever's running the site during game day could tweet like a fart and it gets like a <laughs> I know. Mine have exploded this season. Your your what exploded? Uh, my tweets, not my farts. Oh, okay. Hello and welcome to the Hammer and Rails podcast. My name is Casey Bartley, writer for thehammerandrails.com. I am with the sportsbank.net. Mr. Paul M. Banks on Twitter. How you doing, Paul? Doing good. Happy Lincoln's birthday and happy Darwin Day. Oh, I didn't know we were breaking trivia facts. You're really good at trivia, aren't you? Yeah, whatever's. I just looked at whatever was trending on uh on uh, Twitter and saw that, but no, there, there will be nuggets of trivia in this podcast. I promise you. Okay, good. I actually, yesterday rode by, uh, Abraham Lincoln's brother's house. I believe it's in Bennington, Vermont. I'm away on vacation and there's a bunch of like famous people up here and he was one of them, but I did not know it was his birthday. Oh, so that's, you're in, you're in Vermont right now. I am. Oh, that's pretty cool. It's very cold. Actually, it's warm. Everything's melting now. It's kind of sad, but there's still a lot of pretty mountains to look at. So it's like a 50, 55, something 40, something like that? Don't get crazy. It's like oh. maybe 42. <laughs> <laughs> it's just That's warm cool. for where we have. So uh, on tap for tonight, we're going to talk about, obviously, the big Purdue-Michigan State game over the weekend. Uh, you wrote two articles on why Michigan State and Purdue – why each one might deserve a one seed. We'll talk about that. Um, we'll talk about the prevailing na- narrative about Purdue, which is, is this Isaac Haas' team on offense and should it be? And we'll just finish up with some Big Ten Conference race talk. So first off, let's just start. What did you think about Purdue going into Michigan State? It's obviously a weird time for Purdue. We came off 19 straight wins to now losing two in a row in our first you know, first two real challenges in a long time. How'd you feel Purdue looked going into East Lansing? I thought they were looking great. I felt like the Ohio State game was there for the taking. Had they just spread the ball around a little bit more and and stayed true to their identity of who they are and who they've been this season, 
I also felt that a one point loss to a highly ranked team like the Buckeyes wasn't the end of the world. And then heading into that game, I thought, man, this is, this is, it's been, it's been a very down year for the big 10 and there's been uh, a lot of lacking in, in big games, but it, it made me feel like, all right, it's, it's really college basketball season now again. We've got like a really big game here. And I, I kind of wish there, well, I, like everyone, I wish there were two, not just one. But the fact that there's one gave it a lot more hype. And I I, I did like Purdue's chances heading into it because uh, Michigan State, you, you know the drill. You know that they're, they're, they're going to stumble in January and February and then they're going to pick it back up in March and it kind of seems like the Spartans got the stumbles out of the way already in January. And then I felt like it was a great, I mean, Purdue took them down to the wire. I thought both teams looked impressive. It is weird because I don't know how you exactly know how to feel after a game like that, because for the most part, Purdue was on the road and dominating that game. Maybe they weren't running away with it, obviously, but they did lead for a good portion of it. They looked composed they looked talented they looked like a team with a lot of balance and michigan state lines up with them big body wise as well as almost anyone in the country and purdue was still able to get their shots but they let another double digit lead fade away how much i mean finishing matters obviously it's the difference between when you have you know a one game elimination at the end of the year that decides your season being able to close out games is a big thing. And Purdue fans, obviously, we have a stigma. We think we lose all the big games. Do you think that is overblown? Of course it's overblown. <laughs> um, welcome to the social media age. Welcome to the era of endless media and therefore a vast array of competition for attention spans, which means everything must be magnified. And the thing about Purdue is that – was it the 4-13 or 13-4 in 2016? I think that was when the stigma really stuck because when it happens in the NCAA tournament, it was a three or was it I, I was it a three versus fourteen or a four or or fourteen versus three? But are you happened, talking? Here's the problem: Are you talking about the Little Rock game, the Cincinnati game? Um, we've got quite a few games where we well completely threw it away to the outsider. To the outside Purdue community, the Little Rock game is like the, you know, that if, if, if you had a greatest hits album of Purdue uh, blown leads, the Little Rock one, that you would, yeah, close, yeah. you would close your set with that. Like, that's your signature hit for that. Yeah, it was uh, the 2015-2016 season. So these guys were all sophomores. And it was a game where Purdue was up 63-49 to with four minutes and 25 seconds left. And it was a four seed against what does that make it a 13 yeah 13 seed i do believe because i covered the tournament last year in milwaukee and man watching purdue twitter in the final moments of uh somewhat iowa, in state. The, yeah, iowa state was yeah that's what i was getting to man just the impending sense of doom on purdue twitter in the iowa state game and you know they they we're kind of in control the whole way, but, you know, I get it. I get it. I mean, but that's how we lose. Like, Purdue loses by being in control for 39 minutes and 49 seconds. Do you feel that that is why when the criticism comes from Matt Painter, which uh, Travis enjoys um, <laughs> retweeting, do you, do you feel it's because of that? Like, that's where the Painter haters come from. I definitely – I think early on it was a little more, but that's that is pretty much all you have to look on. It just happens to be like a very big thing to look at because there are a lot of games where it literally was just no business losing and we just tighten up and we can't score for the last eight minutes of a game. And I mean, the same thing kind of happened with Ohio State. You're up 14 points in the second half and you can't close it out at home in a Mackey arena that was as loud as I've ever heard it and sustained loud. Like I don't, I might draw a lot of criticism for this pure decibel wise. I don't know if Mackey arena is louder than assembly hall, like just pure what their height, like the height is, but assembly hall is a very angry crowd and it's very quick to get loud, but Mackey arena will stay like you feel it everywhere inside your body for like two minutes. It's insane. And that was the best crowd I've ever heard 
and we still blew a terrible loss. Yes, that is definitely going to bring out um, <clears throat> the Hoosier faithful. <laughs> Talk about that being angry. The, uh, I'd say the best experience I've ever had in Mackey was what I like to call the El Clasico Indiana-Purdue. <clears throat> Last year, it was uh, the game that won the Big Ten regular mm-hmm. season title. And that, <clears throat> I think uh, Chris Foreman tweeted out some stats that compared it to rock, the decibel level, the rock concerts and, and jet engines. I'll, I have to look it up. But it'd be interesting to see what was the ultimate loudest moment in Mackey. And I think it just, the Ohio State game reinforced the stereotype. And I, I honestly think that it won't, the narrative won't go away until business is taken care of in the NCAA tournament. I think I think the Little Rock game, because it was a tournament game, amplified that. And I think that obviously there was a very kind of tournament-like atmosphere in these last few games for Purdue. But it's it's it's, it's it, you know it, it's going to go back to can they can they play above their seed and go further with it? Like I, I'm not sure of. of how many up? How many? What the history is with Purdue of of winning games as a lower seed? But as long as they can hold that kind of line and go as far as they can with that, then then I think you can kind of put that narrative to bed, like with the idea of Clemsoning. You know, Clem, Clemson won a national title, so there's there is no Clemsoning anymore. I, it's definitely it's right online with you know all the curses: Cubs, Boston Red Sox. You're never gonna feel like you're completely away with away from it until you win. I think for Purdue, we need to be a final four team before um, fans get off of painters back. It just feels, it feels like it's been this animosity has grown for so many years. that something really big has to happen. And the fact we've not gotten past even the sweet 16 is a real sore spot. And there's just a lack of faith. And the only way like you restore faith is miracles. And, Purdue is going to very likely come in as a one or two seed. So the excuse of being a three or four or five seed where you have to play someone tough in the second round, third round goes away a little bit. And it's, you know, a group full of seniors. This is the best team we're going to have in a long time. And if they can't do it, there's only one constant in college basketball and that's your coach. So all that pain is just going to pile up all the animosity and, Everything, fairly or unfairly, will all end up squarely on his back, especially if this team, who rose to you know 19 straight wins, top three ranking in the nation, had a chance to claim the number one spot. If we win both of those games, we're for sure number one, I would say. If you win one of them, you might still get it. And it just seems like every real big test, we can't quite clear the hurdle. Well, the Wisconsin game, it started to – the expectations really rose with mm-hmm. the metrics saying that Purdue is the odds on favorite, mm-hmm. not only just in the gambling world, but in the, you know, the projection world of right. the top I, 10 in both in Ken Palm. Right. I, I think they were two in Ken Palm or Sagarin or one at some point. I mean, it fluctuates all the time, but that just rose expectations so much. I guess the, the good news for painter and, for people that just kind of want to see this tension chill is that I completely agree with you that getting you a final four would be enough. I don't think it has to be a national title because there hasn't been a final four since 1980. I could, <laughs> I, I would think that that would be enough versus some places. I mean, you know, this, this guy who produces, uh, he's a producer for WGN. I go on their show every now and then. He always tells me that the real reason he thinks Tom Crean was fired is because he did not get to a Final Four with that 2012 team that was the number one seed overall. And he's like, he he didn't need to win the national title of that team, although they were kind of considered the favorite because they were the number one overall seed. He's like, if they just would have gotten a Final Four, and then of course, you know, he stuck, he was fired much later, but he he firmly believes that, and I agree with him. And I don't know, it's on one hand, you're like, how can you really? take a coach's season down to one one season when the NCAA tournament is a crapshoot. Like it just is. There's no one game winner takes all format that is going to guarantee you the best team. But he also had Cody Zeller and Victor Oladipo and Yogi Ferrell. And they what got bounced in the sweet 16. Yeah. By Syracuse because Tom Cree and just 
seem to forget that they play a two, three zone there. <laughs> Cody Zeller Ooh. is designed in college to break a two, three zone. Just have him catch the ball at the elbow. That's all you have to do. But you know, it, it's, it's just the nature of college basketball itself. It is. And it's very unfortunate because, you know, we're, we're college tubes wonks. We're college basketball literati. And we, we get into November and December games and just the money and the hype and the publicity is all in March madness. And it's just so disproportional. And that's why it's, oh, everything's going to be attributed to that. I agree with you. I, if you get a bad matchup, you know, it's five guys. And if you've got one or two mismatches that can be exploited, you couple that with an off shooting night and then anything can happen. And it, it just derails your season. Yeah. Basketball is a weird sport. It's not designed to be a winner take all, but getting into that, those one games matter and two straight Purdue failed to do it. And both games were eerily similar for Purdue fans. It came down to a lot of Isaac Haas in the post. Um, nationally, it's gotten a lot of coverage. Mark Titus wrote a piece on the ringer about coach painters dilemma almost is because when a team is telling you, yes, we're only going to guard the best post player in college one-on-one, why wouldn't you go to that? You limit turnovers. You get a guy who shoots 60% from the field. But you just wrote a piece about Carson Edwards and how he, and I'm assuming you don't, I know you don't, you don't agree with that philosophy. You still think Carson Edwards is the key to Purdue's offense, right? I do, but with a caveat. Mm -hmm. I think that Purdue, I think it was you who tweeted this, or one of the other Hammer and Rails guys who tweeted this, that this team knows its identity better than almost any team in the country. And a lot of that has come from the competitive advantage of playing together in the summer Mm -hmm. internationally. And, you know, that, hey, you know, everybody uses what they have to their advantage. And that's an advantage. They have chemistry. They have cohesion. You know, is is Isaac Haas the team's alpha dog? What about Carson Edwards? What about Vince Edwards? You kind of have three legitimate um, go-to guys. And I just feel that. Purdue has made its way this year, and they've achieved what they have by having good ball rotation, by spreading it around, by kind of not being, you know, that just that doesn't seem like Purdue basketball to me. The idea of being <laughs> to one guy and just stand around, and a lot of people were complaining about that at the Ohio State game, just stand around and watch him do it. So that would be my counter to the idea of, hey, you've got a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Award final. <laughs> beating it to him. I would counter that with, yeah, well, you've got a Jerry West award finalist out on the perimeter and you've got, you know, you've, and then you've got, you know, Vince, who's obviously been up and down, but you think about all that he's accomplished over the course of his career. So that would be, I definitely think you're touching on the magic of Purdue, especially when we were really running it, you know, when we were running Butler off the floor and everyone in the big 10, it's that almost at all times we do have five guys on the floor that can threaten an offense from multiple ways. And especially with the way Michigan State was just blindly go, just one-on-one island. Like you said, Purdue knows how to run that. They are consistent. They, there's not another team in college that literally, if the coach said, give this guy the ball every time, there's not another team in college that could actually run that. Our seniors are so disciplined. We've we've been running this offense for four years, almost everyone. And it makes you, there's four guys on the floor for Michigan state that game in the last 10 minutes that didn't have to work on defense. And that makes their offense better. And I am a big believer in especially college basketball. You need variance on offense, especially you can't ever let a defense get comfortable when they get comfortable. They play better. They get confidence. They get in a rhythm. So I'm not sure any one strategy I would ever fully agree with going to. Right. It's just kind of like, um, it's kind of a, it, it's a basketball equivalent of <clears throat> equivalent of when they ask, are you going to be a run based team or a pass based team? Mm-hmm. And every coach will always, every coach hates that question. Every coach, you know, answers talks without speaking when he mm-hmm. answers the question, the same, it's just look inside, outside. You got to have both. And I, I was astounded when I got the press release with the box score after the Ohio State game when I saw four guys scored for Purdue. I'm like, what are you – like, what? Is this a mistake? Four guys? 
I they've got you know their what they have over other teams is leadership and experience and they all that time that they've worked together and that they've got to play to that they've and it's been a problem this year Purdue's bench has not produced points which you don't really need them to when you do have that many you know seniors and experienced players but you can't have four people scoring a game and PJ Thompson missed five open threes if you're only going to have that few then those few have to be on fire and I don't think that's sustainable and part of that is both of those games were heavy on, you know, going to Isaac in the post. As a guard player, it's hard to get in a rhythm when you know where the ball is going to be and it's not going to be in your hands. I, I completely agree with that. I mean, that I think that's something, that's a principle that translates all levels of basketball. When you know you're not going to be a factor, or you're going to be a one-way player, you're only going to be a factor on one end or not much, you're, it'll just, it's human nature to then just stand around and watch and... So yeah. do you th- like is Carson Edwards Purdue's best player to you? He is to me because of the leap that he's made because he just wasn't I think he was the 24th rated point guard coming out of his class mm-hmm. and he, he did average double figure double figures as a freshman. He was solid, but no one could have anticipated this really. And I mean there's talk about him well, him and Harms actually about leaving early, but I that seems kind of ridiculous to me. I think they would both stay. Um, with with Carson, I guess I guess I'm just biased because he's undersized and what he can accomplish. He's so undersized for his position, and maybe I'm a little bit biased towards guards. But the reason I feel Carson Edwards is the best player is because I just see more happening when he's the center of the offense and I don't want to contradict myself in saying that you know, obviously I think it should be an offense that's based around sharing the wealth and getting everyone involved but if there if there's going to be a, a focal point I'm going to pick Carson as a focal point because I just think he can do more I agree with you and especially you touch on his improvement like last year he looked like the player he could be this year but the efficiency numbers just weren't there he was a 41% shooter from the field for two, a 34% three-point shooter. This year, he's 53% from two-point range, 40% from three. On He's already taken more attempts from deep. A lot of them are dribble pull-ups, high difficulty. And he's assisting the ball 6% more of the time and turning it over 5% less of the time. He is a rare playmaker that isn't making the mistakes that he made as a freshman last year. And I just, I, it seems to me like Haas should be the ultimate release valve for an offense. If you get into 12 seconds, you don't have anything going, then find him the ball. Carson's a guy that can just create havoc everywhere for everyone else. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. I think you touched on the most important point it is cutting down the turnovers and being more efficient with the assists. I mean, that to me, it's, I think, to me, that's even more important than the scoring and the shooting because. He's just become such more of an efficient player. And I think a lot of it comes from being on Team USA in the under-19s and being coached by Cal. And, you know, Calipari guards, that's a legendary, even though it was just a little, just for a little while that he was under the tutelage of Calipari. I mean, that, of course, that doesn't explain why his own guards aren't evolving this year in London, but... Well, uh, his guards have you know, played probably half the basketball Carson has in his career at this point. Basketball is definitely a sport where the more you play, the more you, the better you are, especially as a guard. Very, very much so. And I think that next year will be interesting when um, PJ has moved on and, you know, Eastern gets the point, but they, in order for Carson to have a future, he's, he's going to have to really develop his, I mean, right now he's, he's playing Clemmer as a shooting guard, but he was recruited as a point guard in, He's got to be a point guard at the next level. So then again, you know, it's you can have two point guards on the floor at the same time. It's it's always a good thing. Yeah, I was I know uh, his personal trainer, Carson's personal trainer, who's been working on him with skills and adding those dribble moves and working on his jump shot. He always talks about Kimba Walker being his stand in in the NBA, which there is a lot of merit to. They're both smaller guards that can really quick and move the ball. But I also think you look at someone like Lou Williams who's limited athletically and size-wise, but can just light it up. There is always a space on the NBA for a guy who can just get buckets. 
and coming off the bench as a six-man scorer, that's every team needs one of them. And I feel like Carson is so strong for his size. And defensively, I think he has really good instincts. I feel like going forward, he doesn't seem like a guy that could leave early. I don't know if – I'm assuming you think he needs all four years. I think he does, but with uh, an asterisk. I also am a firm believer in you go – you strike when the iron's hot, and that's why we really couldn't fault uh, Biggie for bailing last year. And No, I mean, Robbie Hummel was a lottery pick one year. Two years later, he's a barely drafted in the second round. Exactly, and that's why you got to wonder with Carson even this year is you strike while the iron's hot because uh, Melo Trimble was another guy that maybe should have left earlier, and then his stock went down because – you're not going to grow. You're not going to get any taller. So, yeah, I, I think Mello was gambling on having a big year with that team, which I still look at that roster and I'm like, how did they not go far? They had like four NBA guys. Yeah, that was insane. Like modern NBA guys. That is the most confusing team I've seen in the last ten years. They didn't even make it to the lead eight, did they? <laughs> no, no. It was I, that team should have been awesome. And they just weren't. But, I mean, you are right. Like, I honestly think Harms could leave after his junior year, though. Yeah, I, I could see that. He's older already with the uh, transferring over from another country stuff. Plus, he's just big and mobile. And if he gets a shot at all, he's going to be very valued. Even though I don't... Do you think... How do you grade his defense? Because I'm at, like, a C plus. I would I would go B minus. Yeah, I... He's over-eager. He gets out of possession real early, especially if a guard is even threatening on a pick-and-roll. He, he knows his height, and he, and he likes to use it, and <laughs> and that can make him a little bit It's over. the nicest way to say he chases blocks regardless, like a dog going for a car bumper. <laughs> he knows he's faster than the 25 miles per hour speed limit, so he goes for it. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I hope you're... Uh... Your Dutch readers will appreciate um, what we had to say about that. They have dogs and cars there, right? Well, you know, I, I just learned that that's why they're so good at speed skating is because the people in Amsterdam actually skate across the frozen river. Oh, the more you know. See, I told you there would be... Yeah, trivia, yeah. yeah. All right, so I think the fascinating... There's two. There's two conversations to be had that are both simultaneous with one another and not related the big 10 race and then the chase for the number one seed i don't um let's just start big 10 race because right now ohio state is in the driver's seat do you think they can make a run cleanly through the rest of their tournament slate um i'll go ahead and set up what they have going their remaining games are they go to penn state which is all of a sudden looking like a difficult difficult game. They go to Michigan, they host Rutgers, and they go away to Indiana to finish the year. Do you think they run the slate? If they do, any conversation about the Big Ten is a moot point. That's exactly. They do control their own destiny. And Penn State is the one, you know, they beat them. So that's definitely not the matchup you want unless you take the approach that now the Buckeyes are going to be out for a revenge um, Indiana is still a tough place to play. This isn't such a great Hoosiers team, but they looked really good against Purdue at Assembly Hall. They looked really good. When you consider like the disparity in all the metrics this year, and then how the season has gone, and how close a game that was, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And they have talent. I think they have the wrong talent put together, but like individually, those guys are highly ranked highly recruited on a night to night basis. They look like real players. I think Archie's going to really get that program going somewhere. I, I don't think it's going to take long either. And Let's that's good on. because we know that fan base. Nah. Standard. I like them in the basement. Oh yeah. <laughs> if you even say the word, what's the recruits name? I would have had more punch if I could remember his name. Well, I'll just... He's going to Vanderbilt. That's that's what I know about him. Oh, oh, that guy. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that dude. Um, I'm 
I'm sorry you guys lost out on that tiger guy too, as did DePaul. I honestly, I saw his hair and I was out. Like, I don't need that in my life. I watch Alfred Payton be awful at basketball. <laughs> I don't need that wrapped up. Whatever. It is. It is hysterical when DePaul ends up in like as like the final cut for a four star. Oh, what was it? Western Kentucky that got the random top ten center for like three days. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they had that guy in the McDonald's All-American game last year, Western Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good times. But, um, oh, so that one, oh, at Michigan, that obviously, if I, I, I think Ohio State will beat Penn State, and I think they'll handle Indiana. But if they're going to fall in these last four, I think it's going to be at Michigan. Now, I, I see Michigan as being kind of an up-and-down team, but given what they did at the Breslin Center, I you know, I – I heard once or twice that Ohio State and Michigan don't like each other. Maybe is that is that true? Um, there's another sport I think they play that they're both pretty. One of them used to be good at. One's still good at um, lacrosse. No. Yes, this uh, football American. Yeah, yeah, one of those things. <laughs> I, yeah, I think there's a slight thing going on, and I get I, Michigan can't beat them in that football, so they probably need to win. I think they're good. I think Michigan's good. I that's got to be their Super Bowl, right? Because a win against Ohio State locks them into the tournament, locks them into probably a top six seed. Oh yeah, I mean they're clearly the fourth best team in the Big Ten. It really goes. There's a big three Ooh. drop off. My, to- my sister is the second smartest out of us. There's two of us. <laughs> She's the second smartest. That's what that sounds like saying. <laughs> She just had a baby, by the way. Congrats, Tab. <laughs> really happy for the third one. <laughs> she doesn't listen. It'll be fine. Well, you know, no one ever expected the league to be like this. We probably should have, though, right? I was calling Minnesota's collapse. I was calling it halfway through last year. Me too. I That was the most, that was the most predictable 12 over 5 upset in history. Yeah, it's Maryland. Turgeon can't be a good coach, right? I I know he's not interesting to listen to. That's. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I you know, it's like when Homer Simpson was in court and they show what he's thinking, and it's just like meow 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 meow. That's pretty much me at every Turgeon press conference, but. I don't know. He was he was on the hot seat early, and then he kind of got got things going. And but again, to, to back to our earlier point, he couldn't capitalize on that dream team. So no. No, he's not such a great coach. But yeah, I mean, it's pretty much we need Michigan to win for Purdue's purpose, but also like it'll make our conference look better overall. I and I agree. I Ohio State as a Big Ten champion, does that team really feel like a Big Ten champion team? I know that's salty to say since they literally just beat us at Mackey. Well, that's because it's such a weird season in that not only do you have all these teams that are massively underachieving and are down, but it's a year in which the football brands are doing better. And that affects the rankings because – you know, you start out the season, the ranking is all pretty much just brand name or history or tradition. And like you see the fifth and sixth best teams, you know, in keeping with um, the backhanded compliments there <laughs> are Nebraska and Penn State. Ugh. And do you think will Penn State make a tournament this year? Oh, no way. They they. <laughs> That 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 is like the ugliest non-conference season. My, if they beat Ohio State, if they beat Ohio State, what are they? They've got eighteen wins right now, right? They're eight and six. And, and technically, eight. they come into Mackey too, and they have a home against Michigan. I, that is a murderer's row. But if you're them, you have to. What, you you have win to two stop. of those three, I, and you probably get in if you beat Nebraska too. Yeah, I would say they would have to. They, they would get two or three signature wins then. And if you, if you look at the Penn State profile, what is their signature win right now? Uh, definitely Ohio State on the road. What are, it's not even close. Yeah, Ohio State yeah, on the road. There's another one. 
they beat Maryland at home, Nebraska at home in overtime. There's not many. I mean, they're they're only eight. Well, I guess eighteen and nine's all right. But yeah, I mean, that's it. Pittsburgh's not good. Yeah, Pittsburgh is one of the few remaining uh, conference winless teams in a Power Five. Coached by a Boilermaker. Not a boy. <laughs> well, all right. So Penn State's got 18 wins. I think if, if they head to New York with 21, then. That's pretty solid. Yeah. They, that's a hell of a finish. And you've got Ohio State is RPI 16 last time I checked. So that's one signature win. If you pick up two more, then. And yeah, I guess we could say that. I, I didn't tell you this before the podcast. This is an all Ken Palm podcast. We don't care about RPI. Oh, well, I was hoping we'd get to do the um, the ESPN RPI that they just made for themselves because... BPI? Yeah, is that what it's called? I don't know. There's an ESPN BPI, and it always loves Purdue. I think we're still a Final Four team last year, even <laughs> after the Kansas loss. Yeah, that was that was a tough one last year. I, But, that, that you know, has Purdue ever had that year where they made a deep run as a low seed because that would also we've never made a deep run what are you talking about doesn't matter what seed we i, I mean for the longest time it was painters like win streak in the first round we were like 12 and 0 no i'm talking going back later i'm talking going back know. later who cares because that is probably one of the biggest things that's wrong with illinois history is their final fours came as one seeds and then the other time they were a one seed, they were an elite eight. I think the last time Purdue was a one seed, we almost lost to the 16 seed. I think that's our legacy as a top seed. I yeah, that was the year Hummel was hurt, wasn't that? No, 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 no. Like the 90s, we weren't a one seed with Hummel. I think they were on track to be a one seed, but then he got hurt, and then yeah, but we ended up as like a three or four seed because we scored like 12 points in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, those those Big Ten tournament games in Indy early on. It's trying to hurt me. Don't talk about the humble game. <laughs> not cool. Let's go. So we're speaking about the tournament. So you wrote two columns. One, and you can you can check them both out at thesportsbank.net. It's where you write. I got it right this time. And you pretty much designed the argument for Michigan State as a one seed and Purdue as a one seed. So going forward, who do you think gets the one seed, or do you think both of them do? I, I can't fathom the Big Ten getting half the one seed. And I actually wrote both Everyone of Everyone else is losing. That's true. But then again, you've got some other some teams laying in the weeds to come up and snatch that. I mean, I wrote both of these before the NCAA released the – if the bracket was today. Like, I intentionally – I didn't want to have the bias. That's a good thing to bring up. Yeah, Purdue was put in as the fourth one seed. And Michigan State was put in as a three. And a three seed? Yeah, they're a three seed. That delights me, but it seems <laughs> pretty mean. Okay, well then here, um, off the top of your head. By the way, Michigan State's the only team now that qualifies for the top ten and adjusted offense and defense in Kim Palm, which is how you win national titles. Right. More love for Ken Palm. <laughs> This podcast brought to you by Ken Palm. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get that $20 subscription fee off for next year. Yeah. I mean, if we keep plugging them, they really should. <laughs> they should comp you. I mean, it's the least they could do. Right? Okay. But no, if, if you had to guess what Purdue's strength of schedule is and what Michigan State's strength of schedule is off the top of your head, like give me a ballpark figure. Purdue 60 something Michigan State, like 105. Very, very close. <laughs> very close. Purdue's 47 and Michigan State's 94. Okay. But it just, that's what the soft underbelly of the Big Ten is this year, that you've got a Power 5 team ranked in the top five in the polls and, you know, 23, 24 wins, and we're still talking about strength of schedule, and that is what, that's going to be the killer. That's definitely going to be the killer. So... I mean, the way their schedules line up, Michigan State has the better wins, right? They've got Duke and... Uh, no, not exactly. Um, they've Top-tier wins? Actually, I I don't know if your audience is going to like to hear this, but I'll definitely have to say it anyway. That... I don't care about my audience. Am I going to like to hear this? 
Well, maybe I can chase it with like some kind of praise or something. But Michigan State needed that game so much more, and the league needed Michigan State to win that game so much more. Because here's the crazy thing: before Saturday, Michigan State had one signature win: North Carolina. North Carolina, which they're kind of good. North Carolina doesn't scare me. No, they're um, they're very up and down and. Is their best player still Luke May? I would say so. And I'd say... Because uh, we have like four of those on our roster. Well, Joel year. I just meant good white guy. Oh. <laughs> they have no Marcus Pages to be found, that's for sure. Okay. And I don't know. I'm going to my first ever North Carolina game in a couple of weeks. So Against who? Miami. So it's a battle of late 90s, early 2000s rap song. Really good football jerseys. That's yeah. what they're like. Really good football jerseys. Good colors. So yeah. Well, so does that mean you're leaning still towards Purdue? Like if they both meet up in the Big Ten tournament championship. Here's the which, here's the other thing is uh, like Michigan State is just unfortunate in the sense that Notre Dame is not Notre Dame. UConn is a shell of what UConn. Mm-hmm is for purdue you could say the same with louisville but louisville's um louisville's good i don't care what anyone says what's if their... they're in your bracket you don't feel good that, yeah I, i'm with you in that i'm definitely with you in that and the other thing is purdue also has the benefit in that when people were when the sky was falling and they were losing it during the bad boy mowers battle for atlantis which is all one word i don't know why <laughs> And I don't know why four is the number That's four a letter when there's not 14. But Western Kentucky's a good mid major. That is, um, I thought they are. T- and Tennessee's really good. Tennessee turned out to be really good. And um, just as you know, Il Padrino of Hammer and Rails, the Godfather of the site, Travis said it best at the time. He's like, I, he's like, I want them to whoop up on Arizona. And then I want Arizona to get better later, and that's kind of what happened. Yeah, but now people hate Arizona again. I don't know if that's a team I'd want to face. It's not. It's absolutely not. Because you got to think, they're going to be a three or a four. Maybe if they get their act together, they'll be a two. And what of, I, if you're a one seed, do you want that? That's not good. You never want to play someone that might be the number one pick. That's very true. So do you think, but right now, Michigan State with the win over Purdue, Purdue, both of them have pretty easy schedules finishing out. Do you think it comes down to just who does better in the tournament, the Big Ten tournament? Yeah, I I couldn't get over it. It's remarkably similar, the final four games for both teams. Mm -hmm. And then I think it's just going to come down to, it'll be an interesting, I wonder how the dynamic will change with the tournament being a week early, so... Does Ohio State get a one seed if they went out and win the tournament? I, you would, yeah, I, I, yeah of course. I mean, <laughs> right? You'd have to, I, as bad. If they beat, especially if they beat Purdue and Michigan State. Well, that's the thing is they have to, they'd have to beat someone along the way to do that. They really would. I, I think, I mean, the way it's set up, I, they'd have to beat one of the four ranked Big Ten teams to get another signature win along the way. And, like you said, everybody keeps losing. I mean, that... I know, it's bad. <laughs> no one's good. Have you ever seen this where a team loses and then becomes number one for the first time in, like, 30 years? Or, I they lost ugly. Like, they didn't look like... They looked as meh as, as a team could possibly look. Yeah, I a lot of times I, you know, I envy Virginia fans because they have Tony Bennett, who's as fine a young coach as there is, but then... I feel sorry for Virginia fans because they have to watch Tony Bennett basketball. And, and usually, you know, when you win ugly and it's 49 to 46 or whatever, but when you lose ugly, it, I don't know. I, I'd have a problem. I don't know if the committee is going to go on past performance into their seedings, if that matters. But given what Virginia has done lately, do you, does, how high do you want to rank them? I mean, I hope not. Because that's not a good sign. We'll be put as a five seed. Yeah, I. <laughs> I think it's so weak that this year that it's literally like I almost 
Virginia and Villanova are going to be locked in as one seeds. The fact that Purdue could lose twice in a week and still consider it a one seed just tells you everything you need to know about basketball. Like, no one's good. Right, and this really seems like another year where you could get that crazy seven seed winning it all or eight seed, you know, in the final four or something just because of the fact that because then when I did the one seed columns uh, on the sportsbank.net for both, I looked at who the competition is other than Virginia Villanova. So Xavier. Uh, Xavier's in there right now. You got um, Texas Tech if they went out, which is insane. <laughs> I want to be the two seed in the bracket with Texas Tech. Yeah. That's what I want. Well, they handled Northwestern pretty badly. Cool. Northwestern's awful. Yeah, it's, it's been a rough year, this um all road games thing. <laughs> but then again, that doesn't excuse why I can't win on the road, though. Yeah, because Walsh Ryan was such an impressive home court advantage. Love that arena. Just jam-packed with awesome. Believe it or not, the new one is going to be smaller in capacity. That's so weird. Right. Did they buy more light bulbs? Uh, I know it's going to get $110 million in upgrades. And, yeah, you, that's a good point, man. When it goes dark like that. It's really dark. Like, I thank God laptops, laptops are, like, brightly lit. Yeah, when it goes dark, that is just kind of strange. And then the narrow – I mean, everyone's made the jokes about it being, like, a high school gym or – no, 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 no. Carmel's high school gym is nicer than Walsh Ryan. Oh, I, I believe it. <laughs> um. All right, so we should probably get wrap, wrapping up here. I get. Let's let's just do the old standby. Who's gonna win the Big Ten? Michigan State. Ah, what? <laughs> <laughs> Regular okay. season? Uh, they'll they'll win the Big Ten tournament. Michigan State's gonna win the Big Ten tournament. Okay. Who's going to win the regular season? Purdue is going to win the regular season. Outright or shared with Ohio State? Outright. So Ohio State's going to lose twice. I think so. Michigan and the NCAA tournament, Penn State, Nittany Lions? Mm-hmm. It's hard to say. Uh, don't quote me on it. Okay. But, I, well, no, like, I, it doesn't, it does not, I listened to the last episode of your podcast and they're like, that makes Big one of us. Ohio State, like that just does not sound right. It doesn't. That's such a weird team. Diop is like a weird player of the year, too. Yeah, I agree with that. And then I remember the first few Big Ten tournaments that I covered, Ohio State kept winning, and it just got annoying. And it, it's a shame because their base is like more interested in like spring football offensive guard position battles than <laughs> in frat parties. <laughs> Just making an assumption. Well, they've got what do they have? Sixty thousand enrollment. Something crazy. Yeah. Sounds awful. All right. Well, I guess you. I don't know if I feel better or more depressed after talking to you, but. <laughs> well, how do you think I felt? Remember the famous uh, when Michigan State was a two seed and they lost to Middle Tennessee as a fifteen. Yeah, you you threw a lot of shade off of us. That was a, that was very kind. Well, I had, uh, yes, well, I remember, because this is what life being a Michigan State Spartan is like. This is what life being a Michigan State Please lecture me on your troubles. Well, when the president, (laughs) when Obama picks you to win it all, and you're a four seed, and then every year there's like, it's the same, it's like, hey, January, March, Izzo. And it's always like, oh, well, they're peaking now, because they roll through the Big Ten tournament, and every so everybody picks you to win it all, and then... That year to me, I remember people saying, what a snub. Spartans are not a onesie. This is the biggest snub ever. And I had bought tickets to see Sinbad, the comedian. <laughs> He's a Benton Harbor, Michigan native. Somewhere with this, trust me. Uh-huh. So I was just like, damn it, they better be in the early game. The Michigan State game better not be at night because I want to use my tickets to Sinbad. And when they lost, I'm like, you know, this could ruin the mood. Like, the Sinbad show might not be as good when you have this episode involving a Michigan team. Yeah. So, it, at least I get, was able to get over that loss pretty quickly. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how else to... Purdue fans, when this tournament starts, book your Sinbad tickets. 
it will <laughs> it will help whatever sorrow comes later and there's always sorrow because it was late enough in the day because obviously when you're the headliner you go on late that you could head enough right. to get over it so you had like three or four hours of least of power drinking to <laughs> forget where you were at earlier that day who who's like a comedian from the state of indiana so if if you do... uh, jim gaffigan everyone loves pat mcafee so i guess go i don't know go watch a dude a grown adult and cut off t-shirt who used to kick leather there's a jim gaffigan show scheduled on the same day as are you googling this This actually came up at a family party. I told my parents that, like, Sinbad retweeted the photo that I took with him. My brother-in-law's like, that sounds like a rap lyric. I'm like, yo, I get retweets from Sinbad. <laughs> All right. Well, I I don't know what else to do, so I guess I'll say goodbye. Thank you for listening. Um, I'm Casey Bartley. You can stack my stuff out on Hammer and Rails. Uh, thank you to my guest, Paul M. Banks. You can go read all of his stuff. On his website, www.thesportsbank.net. Thank you for listening. Boiler up.